Hello folks, welcome to the Jock and Journo podcast. I'm Jay Clark from the Herald Sun and with me is a very relieved captain of the Collingwood Football Club, Scotty Pendlebury. How are you, mates? Well, I'm not relieved. Yes, you are. You come, no, in, you come in here, I sense you've been just a little bit grumpy in the past couple of weeks. You come in here, <laughs> I detected just a little bit of looseness in the shoulder, your muscles, you've got a smile on your face. You're Always uh, smiling, mate. Uh, you are relaxed, man, but you are wearing uh, some, uh, some what, what, how do we call it, some funky kit. You've got your tight black jeans on, you've got like this woolen, slightly large blue coat on and, uh, and, these, uh, and these brown loafers. It's a different kit today you're rolling with, Scotty. What's going on here? It is. Um, well, me and Ben Sinclair just decided to up the ante a little bit today. Yes. I feel like the um, dress attire at the football club's been inappropriate, so <laughs> we've uh, decided to style it up a little bit, and we both got some really positive feedback, so we'll continue with it. So what is this? Is this a uh, – do you guys have dress-ups during well, the week? You know, most players walk in, in looking like they're training for a boxing fight with grey tracky pants on, <laughs> white or grey T-shirts and beanies. So we've decided to up the ante a little bit today, and – um, surprise, surprise, a few guys want to jump on next it, time we do it. It's a genuine competition. Who is the worst dressed at uh, Collingwood? Who's the worst and the, and the best dressed? Oh, Ben Crocker, worst. Shocker. Mile. He rocked up today with grey tracky pants on, grey t-shirt, pink beanie. Um, best dressed, ooh, um, Ben Sinclair. Yeah. yeah he's, okay. been, he's been on trend lately. Saw him running in the rain uh, on Monday morning, coming back from that hamstring uh, injury. He was out there with Tommy Langdon. Fair to say, on a miserable, freezing Monday morning, it was a very unglamorous look at AFL football. Those boys uh, didn't uh, seem to be enjoying it uh, too much. Benny Sinclair wasn't even running fast. It was like a slow run, the poor bugger. So I, uh, I, I did feel for him. Hey, so it's a big week, Masters week. Um, I always love Masters week, sort of get up early, watch the, the shot by shot, the pristine course. You ride into your golf, mate? You have a hit every now and then? Um, no, I don't. I don't actually have a hit at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't really watch the golf either, but um, I managed to catch a little bit of the end of the Masters because a few boys here are really keen on it. So, um, yeah, apparently the bloke who won it, Sergio Garcia, had been bridesmaid a few times and um, good to finally get over the line for him. His first win in 74 majors. Now... It was interesting going back to 2012, Scotty, because he says basically that the game had him beat. He had these yeah. mental demons because he, he could not crack through for a major win. Um, he sort of thought there was these outside forces working against him and that uh, basically he was playing for second and third. And it's an interesting attitude and reflection for him, for someone who's finally winning. The euphoria and ecstasy was uh, was unbelievable to see him sort of crumple to the green, you know, in pure joy really um, at the end. But in, t- in terms of goal kicking, because we see these guys putt just under absolutely enormous pressure um how much of it let's in goal kicking terms do you think is it a physical and uh and technique thing or how much is it just a total psych out um i think often hear richo talk about it saying that when he used to play if you kick the first one in you is away um you know when you hear you hear that you think it's purely mental because Mm. um you know each shot's different and you just go through your process and your routine and um, yeah, I think for different players it'd be technique. For different players it's mental. Um, you know, there's some guys who want the ball in their hands. There's some guys who don't. But um, it's definitely the the biggest thing at the moment in AFL. I think sides that um, because the competition seems so even. Um, you know, sides that are dominating large periods of game, but are kicking you know two or three goals, six or seven. It's really coming back to bite them because oppositions then. You know, you've seen that in the Melbourne-Geelong game on the weekend where Melbourne dominated, I think it was that third mm-hmm. quarter, but just kept kicking points. And Dogs were the same? Dogs, yeah, dogs were the same. And um, 
yeah, I know in our game, to finish the game, we kicked two goals, 10. So um, it just, it sort of deflates your side a tiny bit. And I reckon the opposition keep hanging in there and they think, oh, we're off the hook again here. We're off the hook, we're off the hook, we're a chance. And I know for us, we kicked, I think it was eight points in a row. And then Sydney went straight down the other end and Ollie Florent kicked a snag. And um, <laughs> certainly, yeah, it is a little bit deflating and um, you've just got to find a way to keep sticking at it. But yeah, there's so many... So many guys in the AFL that you'd go down and watch training that just nail goal after goal and then um, it's just hard to emulate the pressure on, on the big stage. What are your cues? What do you think when you're lining up? Um, you? oh, I'm not the greatest set shot either, but um, I just think I, I really laser in on something behind the goals, whether it's a, a letter on a billboard on stand two or something like that. So I just think aim small and if I'm going to miss, miss small. So I try and pick out something really, really tiny and just keep my eyes on that the whole way and then kick it because I think if anywhere on the field if there was a person standing there by themselves I'm, com- I'm confident that I'll hit them mm. so when I have a goal kick I want to make sure I'm not just trying to kick it through the middle of the two sticks I want to aim something really small so aim small miss small question without notice here Scotty like we like to be prepared here on the Jock and Journal podcast but I want to surprise you with something I've got here with me the top 10 most accurate Collingwood goal kickers since yeah. you were at the club so the start of 2006 11 seasons who would you think would be the most accurate Collingwood goal kicker over that journey, I got the top ten. Um, I'll go. I'll give you my top three. Mm. Jack Anthony one. Very good. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Jack Anthony one. Well, I thought that was obscure enough that you might not get nah, it. Well, I, I remembered that year he played forward and he kicked like fifty or whatever it was goals about eight. Yep. Um, and then I went Alex for solo. His accuracy was sixty five point six percent. Jack Anthony no yeah. longer playing. Alex Fasolo is sixth, 201 shots, 55.2%. Yeah, and then Darcy Moore. That is not bad either. He is fourth, 60 shots on goal, 56.7% accuracy. Who's two and three? Uh, Jamie Elliott, who looks like he's coming back into the squad, 178 shots at goal, uh, 58.4%. And Darren Jolly, the big ruckman, 90 shots. very good shot at goal. So what is it that makes these guys so good at it? Well, for starters... I think with Joel's, he actually never had any running shots on goal. They're all set shots, yeah. so there was no sort of tough snaps across the body where you know the probability of it going in is, is mm. quite low. Um, Joel's had just a really solid routine. Um, he was a guy that when he got the ball, wanted it in his hands, mm. kicked a great goal in the grand final 2010. So, um, yeah, it's the same with Darcy. Darcy, I think, wants the ball. All those guys would want the ball in the hand and back that they would kick the goal. Hey, pressure for breakfast. Uh, I'd struggle to make the distance probably. Hey, um... Going back to the Masters, we saw that 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 iconic photo, that that image of Sergio, you know, on the green, fist pumping, all that sort of stuff. His fiance comes over and uh, celebrates with him. There was a, a great photo. I think you posted on Instagram uh, where the Collingwood players at the siren after beating Sydney. It was a fantastic win. Maybe Bucks is best as as coach, and all the Collingwood players are embracing you. Of course, on the ground, castrated, clearly exhausted after nearly having your leg snapped by Daniel Hanabry. But tell us what what is that moment like? Those few minutes after a win you know there's so much pressure what is that half an hour behind the curtain like yeah initially once that siren sounded I was involved in a couple of scrimmages that happened and um, we knew there was 30 seconds to go so you're just doing anything possible Mm. to try and get another stoppage and when that siren went I just fell to the ground and I actually thought I was going to be sick and Brody Brody (laughs) Grundy tried to grab me and pull me up and I said mate give me like five seconds because I'm going to spew I think Um, yeah and then it's just I think it's just relief for all the hard work you've done for the week Mm. Um, yeah, and then you get back to the rooms, you love singing the song and then um, you sort of get 20 minutes to yourself and to be honest, you're just exhausted and mm. um, you want to have a drink, you want to just sit down and um, unwind a little bit and 
um, you know, if you had a camera in the rooms, you'd probably think, you know, did these guys win or lose here? Really? But most of the time, yeah, guys are just relaxing. It's probably not until um, we get back to the hotel and we have dinner and um, sit around and talk that you can you can tell, you know, the guys are ecstatic that you had a win because mm. initially, you know, you've just run 15, 16Ks. You've been hit numerous amount of times that you're just exhausted and mm. I think both sides win or lose you sort of feel the same what about for the players and your captain this is what your fourth season um, as skipper what about the players who have had a particularly big game or, or done something ex- extraordinary you know been a, a very good against the odds I mean my, I sort of think of a, a Tay Adams um, an Adam Trelaw and, and a guy like Henry Shade you know come pick 24 off the rookie list and he has a very good game on Buddy Franklin so do you after the game go to him slap him on the back and have that that personal conversation because, you know, he really has performed extraordinarily. Yeah, you probably, as I said, you for us after the weekend, you know, siren goes, um, you probably spend five minutes out on the ground, you get around to all the fans that come and, mm. try, you know, try and say thanks for coming and supporting us. And then you literally get into the room, sing the song. Um, obviously, we had a few new guys with their first victory, which is always great. Mm. You know, get the Gatorade showers in there. And then, um, seriously, it's like 22 guys in isolation. Everyone just sits yeah. down, the ice packs come out. You know, thick and fast, and everyone's got ice all over them. And um, so it's really time to yourself. Yeah, it is. And then probably about an hour after the game is when we when we hit the pool on the weekend, and that's when it starts getting a bit jovial and yeah. um, all the banter starts. And uh, but yeah, if, as you said, it was great to see a guy like Shady um, play his role really well. And I think that's something that um, he was really strong on. He didn't get too occupied with yep. who his opponent was. It wasn't you know buddy conscious. He just played the role the team needed him mm-hmm. to. And um, yeah, he trusts what we're doing here and he's been a great addition. Can you take the mickey out of Faz like any danger Faz you could kick that goal in the last quarter? Can you have some fun with something like that? Oh, or? absolutely. <laughs> but then he reminds you very quickly that he kicked one from the boundary in the first <laughs> yeah. quarter. So, um, yeah, you certainly have a lot of fun. Hey, it was a, a massive week uh, for the Collingwood Football Club. And once again, um, the focus goes on your coach. Um, Rightly or wrongly, it does seem like we in the media are, are obsessed um, with your coach. And I, I myself am still wondering sort of why that is, whether it's because of the succession plan back in the day, whether he was just a champion player or or whether it is something more personal than that. It is sort of, For me, it is hard to put my finger on. But uh, when Collingwood lose, normally the story is about your coach. And we saw that last week. Now, you were interviewed after the win. Um, a journalist asked you about uh, about your coach and how relieved he might be. You sounded a little bit grumpy. Let's take a listen. You put him in the microscope for the first two weeks. You know, a lot more probably than than anybody else had been, particularly for the coach. Did you? Was there an element of, of doing it for for Nathan last night? Because it seemed like he really got around the boys as well at the end. Uh, I think at Collingwood under the microscope every week, and it was just as I said, and I'll keep saying it was great for the whole team to get a win last night. And um, yeah, we take those four points and we move on. I know you've spoken about the group as a whole, but I've got to ask again about the coach. I mean, it's it's a massive win for him, isn't it? And were you, I guess you, you're ultra aware of that as a playing group, are you? Um, yeah, it was a massive win for our footy club. So I was just wrapped that we got the four points. And as I said, we move on to Sunday. What are you honestly thinking, mate? What's going through your head when a journalist wants to get a specific grab about your coach? What are you actually thinking? Well, that was probably the fourth time I'd been asked that question in that little press conference when we're... And you didn't even mention his name, I which is quite I did clever. not mention his name at all throughout the whole press conference. <laughs> and um, they just it just kept coming up. And, um, yeah, I think it takes the gloss off what a win it was. You know, not too many questions were actually asked about the game and players' performances. And I don't know that's whether that's because 
the people asking the questions actually haven't watched the game or they're uneducated about the game or they lack judgment in the game. Um, so, yeah, they just kept throwing that question at me and, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's just it's sort of like when there's free agents and, um, you know, Buddy Franklin or Dangerfield or Martin this year, who it's going to be that consistently he's going to get asked, what are you going to do? And, um, you know, I, he's not going to tell the media first. Mm. He's... His teammates don't know. So it's just, I don't know, every time I hear it, I just sort of shake my head and think, surely there's a better question you guys can ask. You know, get something out of him talking about footy and, um, you know, complain. It's robotic by players to say the same answers, but the questions aren't changing. Well, I asked Sean Grigg from Richmond about, about the, this exact question about his teammate, Dusty Martin, at the weekend, and he fobbed me off. It was, you know, oh, we have a bit of a joker out about it, you know, at the footy club, but we hope he signs. I'm not the list manager, so I don't know. But, uh, you know, he seems happy here at Richmond. A bit of a, a, a non-answer. What, what do you it's sort like of... like a non-question, though. Yeah. Because well, you know you're not going to get the answer. Mm. I guess it would be interesting from it's Sean... It's like pre-game saying to the coach, oh, can you tell us the game plan tonight? He's not going to give it up. But what? what has, so he, has anyone ever told the media a fact like this? So has anyone ever mm-hmm. come out and? A, so you asked Dusty Martin this week. Do you know what you're going to do? And he's going, Oh, actually, Jay, yeah. I'm going to confide <laughs> in you here right now that I'm going to do this next year. I've never met you before in my life, but I got a big yeah. scoop. I got so a big scoop for you. I just think there's so many other questions you can ask that you'll actually get something out of whoever the players are you're talking to about. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just talking about Dustin Martin's start to the year and how good of a player he is, instead of just the players, like we hate getting those questions because mm. you just throw out a robotic answer. Yeah, you get frustrated by it. Yeah, well, it's, you almost think, what's the point of doing this press conference? And then you, so 30 seconds into the press, so you ask about Bucks or your teammate who hasn't signed, you just shut down. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. You just switch off. But, like, yeah, the, the questions that I think the media ask, you need to have, you can't just throw out silly little one-liners, which we have one of you asking my old coach, Mick Malthouse. Have a listen to this for a question. Oh Do you think your boys came to play today? I reckon they probably come here thinking they'll win a real bad one today in the first quarter. What do you honestly think? That, that term, come to play, where does it originate from and what do they reckon? They come to play marbles or football or, or do you think they didn't come to play? Do you think they sat in their cars waiting for the game to start then go out there? So your question, do you think your boys come to play today? That's what I said to uh, to Mick Moldhouse. Look, not my finest moment, um, it's fair to say. He did absolutely nail me with his response. It hit me between the eyes. I was a bit younger at the time uh, and uh, it did shake me up. I mean, Mick yeah. is an intimidating coach, you know, and Ross Lyons got this aura about him as well where you walk into these press conferences and you are like I did at that time have felt a bit nervous because yeah. – I mean, now being a bit older and uh, experienced, I guess, you know you've got to be absolutely sure about your question and it can't be cliched. And that was a lesson I learned in that case because uh, I did ask a cliche question. But uh, fair to say I did put myself uh, at, at that time. And it comes up on all the shows, Scotty, you know, the five greatest coaching sprays uh, of all time. Deservedly so. I, so Poor I, question. I certainly copped it. What I did was I, I was amused by a couple of years later is that Mick himself, your former great premiership coach, Scott, actually said that on the Channel 7 broadcast. He said, well, I don't think the Western Bulldogs have come to play today. And my phone blew up. With text messages at that time because I thought, hey Mick, you said that that uh, that phrase didn't exist, uh, but it clearly does. Hey, um, what's hot and what's not, Scotty? What we uh, we like to do this every fortnight. What's caught your eye? What uh, what's hot in the game at the minute? Um, for me, a player, I think Rory Sloan. Mm. His form is incredible at the moment. He didn't play a preseason game. Um, not that I think that means a great deal. 
you know, people like to read into that he didn't play in preseason games, but you know, he's coming off. Of, I think it was a fractured eye socket, mm. so a serious injury. Um, yeah, I think his form, his leadership um, over at Adelaide, and the way he drives that midfield has been first class. And he's a player that doesn't get um, huge raps over here in Victoria. I'm sure he does in Adelaide, but I think his form is close to the best in the competition at the minute for a midfielder. Well, it's interesting you say he doesn't get a lot of plaudits because well, look in the Brownlow Medal last year, Scotty. He was well, he was he was ineligible, but he would have finished fourth with 24 Brownlow votes uh, behind Dangerfield in the Lee Matthews Trophy, which is the players finished second in that. So he went quite well there, and in the coaches, uh, he finished second as well, actually behind uh, Dangerfield, who was a runaway winner yep. in in all three. Um, now I know there's a bit of a discussion here about how midfielders dominate these awards uh, and you've been high up in the Brownlow medal uh, for many seasons now so five time All-Australian what one do you what award do you regard most highly the Brownlow the Players MVP the All-Australian or the Coaches Award uh, yeah for me it's the Coaches Award really um, yeah, well I think it's the most no offence to the other awards because yep. they're all no, no. You know, very prestigious but if you pick one it's the it has to be the Coaches Award because Everyone talks about what happens inside your your own walls and um, the systems and structures you want to do. So you go out there on match day and you perform your role really well. Mm. Um, both coaches reward that. You know, There's one coach who's looking at his players who played their role really well and then um, looking at roles the opposition did to stop you know, what your club was trying to do. So I think it's really balanced. Um, you know, Henry Shade on the weekend got coaches' votes for, yep. for us. So don't know that he would have got any Brownlow votes. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly right because... Um, you know, I don't think he was in our papers votes. Yeah, and he played an extraordinary role. But I feel like the say the Brownlow or the Players Award is um, that's a popularity contest. Yeah, I think the players the players won. He's absolute um, popularity contest. Yeah, because it just sort of it's just sort of you know not every player even players admit this they don't watch the games and then they're asked to vote on on the award and they don't actually watch the game so mm-hmm. they're voting on an award that they don't actually watch that yep. is whoever's in the media sort of going to get the vote that week and. Yep. Um, and then the, I think the Brownlow is obviously a great award and, and you'd love to win it, but it's probably only midfielders who can win it because if a guy like Wayne Carey, um, Buddy Franklin, you know, kicked 100 goals, I'm not sure where he placed that year in the Brownlow. But, um, yeah, I think the, the coaches one is probably the most accurate one. The Brownlow last year, Nick Rewalt was the only key position player, uh, the only big fella really to finish in the top 10. What did he come? What did he come? He finished or equal ninth with 19 votes. Um, and in the in the players award, uh, there was Max Gorn. He finished equal fourth. Alex Rance finished equal seventh. Uh, Tommy Lynch ninth, and Josh Kennedy tenth. The big fella. So there's four yeah. out of the ten are key position players. So there's some respect there clearly from the players. Um, but in the in the coaches too. I mean, there's not a lot of love for the big guys. Again, it's Dangerfield, Sloan, Martin, Bonte, Parker, Selwood, Hannibal, Shuey, Gray, Josh Kennedy, and then the other Josh Kennedy. So even in the coaches, there's not a lot of love for the big guys. So yeah. maybe. And I think the the thing with midfielders is is every week you get an opportunity to play yeah. really well. You know, your side might struggle or, you know, one key forward might bob up one week and the next the next week. Whereas the midfielder, you know, you the ball's always around. So you end up with 25 to 30 every week and you, you seem to play your role majority of the time. Dusty Martin is certainly one of the favourites for the Brownlow medal this year. And you tipped it at the start of the season. Our first podcast, remember, you said that he's got to play more forward. He's currently averaging 740 metres gained, Scott. Uh, had 40 possessions at the weekend, 15 clearances. That's 740 on metres a game. That's most ever recorded by champion data. Yep. That is running and carrying the footy in the dangerous forward half part of the ground. Yeah, and I, I think um, 
Me, like I'm not a massive advocate for meters gain because it, well, you need to retain the footy as well, don't you? So yeah. you can have 900 meters, but oh, yeah, every yeah. time you get it, you kick it to the opposition. Yeah. So um, retention is <laughs> the most. It's a fake stat. Not fake oh, news, I don't think fake it's fake, stat. but it's like you know, from clearances, you know, keep getting meterage. It's all well and good, but ones if you're missing targets, they yeah. don't give you a minus point because if they get it and go all the other way, it's come off your foot. Fair but point. I do think take out the meter gain stat for for Dusty. <laughs> I do think that. that um, <laughs> As, oh, as I said, I think mid-forward is one of the best players in the game. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, you've seen how good he is around clearances. I think he had 15 clearances on the weekend. And, um, you know, he's an unbelievable player playing mid-forward and um, I'm not surprised at the way he's playing footy. He's very dangerous when Richmond do rest that deep forward and it is him in behind Rewalt one-on-one. He's near impossible to beat. Richmond's offer, I think, is about $850,000 at the moment. I think on his start to the season alone, that's now going to push up into seven-figure territory. With a 20% boost to the CBA, Scott, he could be a $1.2 million man next season, Dusty Martin. Tell you what I think is hot. This guy doesn't get a lot, hasn't had a lot of love in the media just yet. But he's a Carlton first-year uh, midfield forward. His name is Sammy petrevsky seaton The bull rider. The bull rider. He, uh, he only learnt like, English as we know it when he was 14. So he spoke his native tongue, his indigenous tongue, to his 14, but wanted to get to Melbourne to play his footy. He was one of the best three 16-year-old players in the country a few years ago. Um, his start to the season for Carlton, as I said, it's gone under the radar. Against Essendon in the wet, in the slop, Scott, I was there at the MCG, had 17 touches, eight tackles, and his pressure on the Essendon ball carriers. For a kid in his first year and who didn't play a pre-season game, you said that doesn't mean anything. I reckon in your first year, you're an absolute rookie. Surely it helps your confidence and your fitness, etc. If you play at least even one preseason game, he had a quad strain, didn't play any, yet still Brennan Bolton threw him out there in round one. And the coaching manual says you probably shouldn't do that. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. For, For a first, first year, year player, kid. yeah. And he's been absolutely brilliant. So he hasn't won a Rising Star nomination yet, but on the Jock and Journal podcast, let's keep an eye on Sammy Petrescu Seaton because he's been fantastic. I'll tell you who's not hot. In fact, he might be ice cool, Scotty. And um, I've had some interesting Twitter feedback on this, I must say. Pretty abusive. Wrote a story at the weekend about Melbourne's Jesse Hogan, uh, the spearhead. He's gone back to Perth for some family reasons. His father is unwell. He was filmed at a music festival smoking a durry, having a dart, Um, which is not ideal. And the Melbourne Footy Club said as much. He said he's having a tough time at the moment. Um, We we agree it's not a good look. We don't condone his actions, but we're going to support him uh, at this time now. He might be having a difficult time, but I reckon if he is going to have a cigarette, just don't do it in public, Jesse. If you have to do it, it's not ideal. You're a professional athlete, but if you, it's silly. It's stupid, actually, to do it in public. What would you think if you saw one of your teammates oh, having oh, a yeah. fag? Yeah, I'd find it Does staggering that, yeah. if an AFL player in general was having a smoke. So uh, when I seen the photo, I sort of couldn't believe what I was seeing, but um, obviously Melbourne are, are dealing with what they need to and, um, you know, Given Jesse the support he needs. So if Swanee, when Swanee lit one up back in the day, did you, no, I'm just kidding, mate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure he's at a uh, he's at a fag or two uh, back in the day. But for an elite lifestyle, when we're all talking about the one percenters, very highly paid athletes, uh, it was certainly a surprise to me. Um, what do you think he's ice cold? Uh, mine's Max Gorn. His Ooh. hamstring injury. Um, mm. I just you don't like ever seeing players get hurt and. You know, he's going to have to miss 12 to 14 weeks with that, that hamstring surgery. And no matter if it's, you know, player A or X or whatever it is, you just don't like seeing players. You know, you work so hard, and I think all the players relate to this, but you work so hard for so long to, to get here where we are now to, to play good football. And 
unfortunately for Max, he's going to miss you know a large portion portion of this, the season with his hamstring uh, surgery. So I wish him the best in his recovery, and hopefully he can get back quickly. Have you listened to his on-field chatter, Maxie? Have you ever copped a sledge from no, him? No, I haven't. Any, I haven't copped too banter? much yet, but. Um, I did play with Ben Hudson for a while, so uh, I don't think anyone will top him. I'm reliably informed that Maxie is one of the best uh, chatters out on the ground, and he's, uh, it is quite fun. We'll speak about the Brownlow earlier. Do you think that talking to the umpire or being friendly with the umpire, do you reckon that has or or opposite being narky with the umpire? I reckon that. Oh, do you think that You'd would have an impact? Not. You'd hope not. Yeah, I wonder. Would you? I wonder. I mean, it's a very difficult job for the umpires. I think they do a great job. Uh, outstanding, in fact. I mean, it's hard for me to do votes after games. I don't know how they do it whilst running 20Ks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is difficult. I've said this before, but they've got an extremely hard job, yep. the umpires. You know, that on the weekend for us, we got the memo before the game um, about the holding the ball rule. I thought the umpires didn't send me. Oh, no, they don't have rules of the week. They send Yeah, so they said, we had a memo saying about... Um, so the, holding, the holding the ball rule They're going to give the ball carrier more opportunity um, So for us our eyes just lit up And thought this is an opportunity here to, to tackle We're just going to tackle and tackle and tackle Because the ball's going to spill out And they're not going to ping guys They're going to give them a bit more of a chance So keep buttering up, keep following up And you know, we had 115 tackles mm. I think for the game So, and, and, um, but, and, but for the umpires to adjudicate mm. that quickly And make a change you know, it's, it's, it's bloody impressive So it had a some impact on the way you wanted to play footy. I mean, did you want to tackle more anyway? Because the week before, your pressure probably wasn't there, what we used to. We know it's a big part of your, the Collingwood trademark. Yeah. So that was part of it, but also yeah, well, I think the, the umpiring change. Yeah, we wanted to we wanted to definitely address it, but I think that the change also allows you to address it a bit easier. That The fact that, you know, round two, if you got caught holding the ball or holding the ball and you didn't dispose of it quickly, it's probably holding the ball, whereas on the weekend, if it's spilled out, it's just play on again. So... Yeah. It allows you to probably have five or six tackles in a scrimmage, whereas two weeks earlier it might have been holding the ball. So, um, you know, it's the same for both sides. So every every side over the weekend probably pressured better. And how long into the game did you know that that was? It was oh, on? we knew before. Yeah, yes, the but game. The, but then the, the ball's bounced and you're actually in play. When was that sort of reaffirmed in your mind? Did you know like thirty seconds oh, into the game, five oh, minutes into the game? I think we'd already mentally adapted. We yep. just spoke about. Just keep hunting the f- hunting the footy. You'll and just get keep, the chance. Yeah, just keep tackling, and you, if you win the ball, um, you're gonna have a chance to, to take them on and, and get through them. Clearly better, Scott. The way it was umpired. Absolutely, our three. game was finals like. Yeah. So that's the that's the, that should be the standard from here on, yeah. right? And the way they've done the uh, high tackles has been really impressive as yeah. well. I think. What about the nomination of the ruck process? Have you any other developments on that? Well, it's I not have, I've thought about it. Something's not right here. I've because now we've it. got a situation where clubs aren't using a ruckman. Yeah, so what, what about if you didn't have to nominate, Yeah. but if two guys from the same team didn't communicate and wet up, it's just a free kick to the other team. If two guys go up. Yeah, so if two guys go up and compete, then it's fine. If three guys go up, free kick against. You don't have to nominate anything that way. It's just get your... Stuff sorted as That's a team. It. That sounds pretty simple. Unless you had the big guy sort of faking it. Like if you just had him to stand there and then someone... And then the ball's still going to land in the same spot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, if, you know, if I if Brody engaged uh, Naismith on the weekend and then yeah. I jumped, that's third up because there's two guys competing and Cause I jumped. Because the, because Brody's engaged. Yeah. So that means that he's yeah. involved in the ruck contest. Yeah. 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 So if you engage their ruckman and it's used yeah. to competing so no one can jump yeah but then if i jumped i'm the third up yeah i don't know and around the ground if if no one wants to jump and Brody does jump well who cares play on i'll tell you what scott you're the you're the big dog on the uh, players board now you're the uh you're a, you're a delegate on there just learning mate just <laughs> learning <laughs> you're shaping the rules hey um 
what's your prediction? We like to predict things, uh, whether it's for the next round or this round coming up or something in the game. What's your prediction? Well, I've got I got two. One's at Adam Trelaw yes. that he'll eventually turn up for this free throw challenge because last week he he faked a shoulder injury. Um, really? He said he had a sore right scap. Or really, something he like was that. scared, wasn't he? Um, he did want to take you on. Well, the I've seen him court. on the basketball court a lot, and then since his challenge has gone down, he has been MIA. So. <laughs> um, I don't know. He's probably out there right now shooting, and then well, when I walk here. out of here, he'll be acting like he's grabbing a footy or something like that. So, but my prediction for the round is: I think Hawthorne will win. They'll beat Geelong on Monday. Traditionally, massive game, and I think Geelong have won the last three in a row. But I think Hawthorne will bounce back. They wouldn't be happy with their defensive stuff mm. on the weekend. I think they were the worst side in the comp on the weekend in one-on-ones, which is something they've traditionally been really, really good at. Yeah, second is worst for the season. Defensive system behind the footy, and I know everyone talks about their kicking and all that sort of stuff, but defensively they've been unbelievable for many, many years. So yep. I think the defensive structures will improve, and I think that will allow their kicking to improve because they'll get numbers back and work through. So th- I think Hawks will win. Do you think it could be a motivation thing? Like you've climbed the mountain, you've had a look – you know, Mitchell and Lewis aren't there. Could could it possibly be a desire thing? Oh, you'd think not because, you know, I haven't played finals for three, for three years and that just, <laughs> you're, tell you what, that's not, you're that, chomping at the beat. that's not that enjoyable. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think for Hawthorne, it's just, um, I th- you've heard them say it, and it's the same for every team. You're trying to gel as quickly as you can and they've got a few new players into their system that they're trying to educate around how to play it. So, um, you know, they'll they'll get there in time and, They'd obviously just be hoping that they can get there sooner rather than later. I think you're crazy. I think the Cats are going to win. Um, and that first round draft pick they sent to St Kilda. What would you ask? What would you ask Clarkson if they lost this weekend? You're in the press conference. What would you ask him? <laughs> well, they I'll, got blown away in the first quarter, say. Yep. And then the game just fizzled out. What would you ask him? I, th- I think it would be interesting to know from his perspective what what he thinks is is breaking down, and whether it is a um, whether it is a motivational or whether it is a motivational thing or just a personnel issue. Because clearly the structures must remain largely the same. I mean, clearly they pl- they want to play with more contested ball, but you just want to get his take, I guess. Whether um, so, they lost contested ball on the weekend by sixty two, and you just said clearly they want to play with more contested ball. Yeah, well, that's why they got Mitchell and O'Meara. So that, that is that's the that's the crux of the issue. They want to win more contested footy. They lost by sixty two on the weekend. I know. So is so that, that that's what the, they want them to do? No, I think if you are, if Clarko was sitting here right now, he would say we w- we would want to do much better than that. Okay. Now I know in recent years they haven't won much contested ball, but when you when you when you put all your chips on getting Jager O'Meara, who's a fantastic contested ball player, and Tommy Mitchell, who's arguably top five for contested footy, isn't that a clear in- indication of the way you want to play? Oh, I think so. But Sam Mitchell was a gun. Clarence player, contested football player, but yep. changed his role slightly. Mm. Jordan Lewis was a bull when he first started, still is, but it's also adapted to play other roles. So I don't think you can look at Tom Mitchell and O'Meara and just say you're contestable animals. They'll be trying to learn other mm. other tricks as well. For me, it's the it's the outside stuff. It's the run. You know, Billy Hartung's been dropped. They've lost Brad Hill a lot on Isaac Smith. I don't think they've got the outside run. And as you say, Josh Gibson, he's been a wonderful player for a very long time, but he's just not having the impact. And he and Luke Hodge are probably in their last seasons. Now, what the future looks like for the Hawks footy fans is very interesting. They've won four flags and you take that every day of the week. But how long the how long it's going to take for that wheel to turn for them to get back up uh, is going to be very interesting because other than Ryan Burton, they don't look like they've got the young talent, the grass coming through, which will be very interesting. Um, Sorry, what was your prediction? <laughs> my, you no, now it's my turn. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Turn for, my prediction is this Josh Kelly. Yeah, yeah, this so, will be good. 
GWS midfielder Josh Kelly. He was a pick too. Um, he's been offered a $9 million nine-year deal to go to North Melbourne. Now, there's been a lot of criticism of this, of North Melbourne and, you know. So what's your prediction? He's going to go. He's going to go. Oh, well, to, to, to Arden Street. Josh Kelly will walk out on GWS to accept this $9 million Jay deal. Jay Clark's arrived, guys. Scott, how? Oh, he's hey, arrived. He hey, stopped look. sitting on the fence. <laughs> he's giving something to the show, finally. You, you gave me a clip with that Mick Mouldhouse presser earlier. Um, I know you're the star of the show here. But Josh Kelly will uh, accept this deal because, you know what, Scott? If a media organisation offered me, say, twice what I'm on, how can you knock that back? You know, he's still playing AFL footy at his father's club in Melbourne where he's from. Yes, GWS are going to win flags. That This this game, as you know better than most, Scotty, is a business. And how can you walk away from a once-in-a-lifetime deal? He could do his knee in three years and never be the same player. Nine years, $9 million? All day, don't you think? This is your prediction, not well, mine. Well, that is uh, my prediction. Uh, Josh Kelly, North Melbourne fans, you'd be very happy to uh, have him at your footy club next Super year. Super player. One of my favourites. Talk to me about him. What do you think? Why is he so good? Um, oh, you can just see how balanced he is, both sides of his body. I think he's going to be uh, inside midfielder, though. I don't think he's going to be an outside midfielder. I think inside. that's just a role. That's oh, just a role. He's very he lightly framed. Yeah, he's you'd a be surprised. He's a road runner. But I think a guy like him, you know, a year or two when he's put on a bit more size. Up there, he doesn't need to play inside, but I think he would want to play inside because um, he wants to be a star of the competition and... Um, I think he can be, and um, yeah, as you said, if he, whatever he does do, he's going to be. He's destined for stardom anyway. So. You're staring at at the centre bounce, and you're staring at Josh Kelly. He's opposite you. Um, probably weighs ten kilos lighter. You're backing yourself in to win the clearance over Josh Kelly, surely. Um, oh, not necessarily. He it's does how his best body, work. body position, all that sort of stuff. He does do his best work on the outside yeah. now, but he's also very good on the inside. On the inside, well, that he is, is. That, that you turned my prediction into. Um, one of, uh, one of your predictions. Scotty, it's great to see you with a smile on your face, mate. I thought you were a little bit grumpy. This, you've come in, you've got the spring in Thanks, your step, mate. you've got the you got the jump and the buzz back. Uh, it's been great chatting uh, with you. Now, I, wanted, I want you to talk to Adam Trelaw just before we go and just say, listen, mate, you're outstanding on the weekend, but face the fear and take me on in the basketball court. Well, because... as we said about the golf, I think this is clearly mental for Adam. <laughs> so, it will be physical and mental on the day, but it's mental at the moment. It's all about bragging rights and the Collingwood, great Collingwood media team here, I'm sure, are going to video it. They're going to do a jazzy production and we're going to see you take down... Adam Shaw on the basketball court. Mate, it's great to see you. You're looking fantastic um, on the uh, best-dressed day here at Collingwood. We'll catch you next time on the Jock and Journal podcast. Thanks for listening.